we would like to issue a strong content and trigger warning for today's episode. Victoria discusses suicidal ideation. Please listen with care. Here's Your Red Flag is intended for mature audiences only. Please listen with care. Lisa and I created this podcast with the goal of enlightening each other and our listeners in prevailing over narcissistic and toxic people and relationships. Our mission with this podcast is to help survivors of toxic relationships recognize red flags and areas of personal growth while equipping them with strategies for ultimate and lasting mental health across all relationships. This is a podcast of self-discovery. We'll be talking about personal freedom, safety, security, and strength while embracing our inner voice, recognizing and honoring our gut instinct, accepting imperfection, showing grace to ourselves, and starting anew. Many of our episodes will include topics such as psychological, emotional, and physical abuse, and detailed narcissistic and toxic behaviors. Our podcast is for educational and self-improvement purposes only and should not be viewed as a replacement for therapy. We are not professional therapists. If you are in need of professional help, please contact the appropriate authorities and see our show notes for helpful suggestions. Some names and identities have been changed for anonymity purposes. The opinions expressed by the guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent Lisa's or my views. You can find additional information about this podcast in the show notes, as well as on our website, heresyourredflag.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See our show notes for the links. If you have a red flag story you'd like to share for an upcoming episode, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us by email at heresyourredflag at gmail.com or private message us through Here's Your Red Flag Facebook or Instagram pages. Thanks, y'all. I flew up to the mirror Well, there was nothing that I seen You were The butterfly Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Here's Your Red Flag. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Tony. We continue our conversation with Victoria today. Lisa and I recorded an episode that we will release in two weeks about the red flags to watch for if you suspect that you're in a relationship with a swindler, con artist, or scammer. So, Victoria, do you mind if we ask your personal thoughts about the red flags of a con artist, scammer, or swindler in regards to choosing their target person? And whether you saw any of these in your relationship with Eugene? Um, Yeah, actually, when I found out what happened to me, I did my own research. So a lot of these con artists think they'll weed out the ones that they really have no chance with. And if you do research on scammers, they do target certain people that are vulnerable. So people that are newly divorced, widowed, single mothers. And, you know, in Eugene's case, he has targeted immigrants. There's a bit of a I want to say an emotional need that they would need filled. And I think these con artists, they make themselves out to be your hero. (laughs) So if you are in any of those categories, it doesn't, I I don't want to say it's like a weakness, but it's just a position that you're in. And they kind of, I want to say, sell you a bit of a dream. That's not 
real. Right. And then it becomes a long con. <laughs> right. Through our research, we have found that con artists look for people pleasers and they tend to zero in on people with low self-esteem or have little to no boundaries. When you met and started dating Eugene, do you think he was able to uncover areas in you that he felt he could exploit? And if so, what do you think some of those areas are that he honed in on? I think he was honing in on the fact that I was pretty financially secure. The fact that I, I am very giving, you know, he, he knows about my charity giving. And I think he was honing in on the fact that I was a single mom because of how much he emphasized on wanting to help me and my children become financially free. And I believed him because I thought he cared about me. Mm -hmm. Another red flag of con artist is they praise you excessively like you're the best thing that's ever happened to them. They compliment you and show over-the-top amounts of attention and affection at the beginning. They ask lots of questions about you, but don't want to answer questions about themselves. Then you notice the special attention halts later in the relationship after they have groomed you. Did you experience this? Yes, I definitely experienced that. <laughs> definitely a lot of attention. Like I said, the consistency, the phone calls, you know, the conversations, all his messages being extra, extra long coming from, uh, I want to say a guy. Yeah, there was definitely all of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of attention. And I've talked about him with a lot of my male friends. And, you know, they said a lot of that behavior is not normal. <laughs> so, you know, all the attention giving, all the consistency, they, they say, men don't do that. Like I had a uh, one friend, there was like, there, there's something wrong with him to be doing everything on point. What would you say to yourself when these other people would say, that's not normal? Oh, well, I mean, I thought I, I hit the jackpot <laughs> where I was like, well, I got one of a kind, you know, I got, I'm the exception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the exception. I got one of a kind. I've, you know, this is a blessing from God. <laughs> you know? um, I think that's, that is a very natural way to respond to feel mm -hmm. that way mm -hmm. that I'm special. Look how special he makes me feel. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of that um, definitely happening and, you know, a lot of the compliments, definitely a lot of compliments. Another red flag is that they find common ground with you, things that you both have in common, common interests. Looking back, you may feel as though they were studying you and absorbing everything that you said. And at the time you felt really truly seen by this person, like you really related to each other. And you may have thought, this man really gets me. Does any of that yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think there was a lot of, because he, he did ask me a lot of questions about myself and you know, and I, I did share a lot and I think he tried to mirror a lot of my own values. Mm. Mm -hmm. The mirroring almost felt like, oh, he's just like me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's real typical of narcissists and con artists to move very quickly in relationships. Did your relationship progress really quickly? No, it was actually on my timeline. We started dating in July and it wasn't official till October. But he also knew that I didn't like to rush things. So I think he remained patient until I made the call. That's that mirroring. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, he's, he's very patient. <laughs> you know? wow. No rush at all. Because that's how I am. So he, he read me pretty well. And, you know, they say poker players know how to read people well. 
And it's just unfortunate that he uses it for such wrongdoing. So another feature is at the beginning, they sweep you off your feet, take your breath away, keep things romantic and dizzying. They're well-dressed, good-looking, charming, and charismatic. I think you found that with Eugene. Yeah, I mean, he was just always dressed pretty comfortably, but he's he's a very good-looking guy, and I think that makes up for it. He definitely has a lot of charm. I think that's how he gets people. And he's also... I think the way he also gets women is he has a bit of a soft nature to him that I think women like. He doesn't come off as macho or anything. He really tries to understand you because, you know, I can see him having a lot of female friends in that sense. There was one time, I mean, several times where it crossed my mind if there was a chance that he could even be gay. And I asked him that if he gets asked that a lot and he gets asked it all the time. And he's like, but that's also why I also have a lot of female friends because people think that, but I'm not. I want to say that he isn't. It's just, you just kind of get those vibes at first. But when I found one of the men that he swindled, he is actually a gay man and they live together. And I asked him, I was like, did it ever cross your mind that he could be gay? And he's like, no, absolutely not. And he said, because of how many women he brought to the apartment. That softer quality probably helps lull people into a a false Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because he's always, you know, he's very in touch with like your emotions and wanting to talk things about, like talk things through. And, Mm. you know, he doesn't just deflect or run away. He really wants to like talk, like he'll call you right away if you're feeling a certain way. And I I think any woman would love that. (laughs) Yeah. So a common or a red flag with con artists and scammers is they do come across as rich and successful but you begin to realize that you never actually see the money. So I know Eugene told you that he co-owned a restaurant and did all these mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah. Everything sounds too good to be true. And they are very persuasive about their schemes. Yeah. He definitely made it seem like he was this businessman and he was very savvy with money. Have you guys seen that movie, The Tinder Swindler? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So... I mean, it wasn't to that extent where he was flying in his own jet or anything like that, but it was more of how he delivered. I mean, he used a lot of his talking because he would talk about business deals and they were very detailed. Like he would talk about, he was just in a meeting with Bob and Bob wanted this, but he disagreed and thought they should close in on this percentage. And I don't understand any of that, but he just kept talking about it. And it seems so real because he'd even talk about where his partner was sitting in the room. <laughs> you know things like that. And I just thought, oh, you know, or like, oh, I have a business meeting in Arizona. And, you know, same thing. He'd talk about the deals in detail. So I did talk to him about that movie, The Tinder Swindler, when we were dating, because it came out, I think, the beginning of 2022, possibly. And I was telling him about this movie. And the first thing he said was, yeah, you have to be really careful out there. There's a lot of bad people. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That is <laughs> wow. Without flinching, no nothing. And I think that he he carries a lot of that skill in poker because, you know, you got to have that poker face. Mm -hmm. You got to make it look believable. Mm -hmm. And I think he's practiced it long. Wow. Mm -hmm. So red flags to be aware of with scammers is at some point during the relationship, the inevitable quote unquote ask occurs. It feels uncomfortable and the relationship shifts and begins to feel different. They ask for money. It might be a just small amount. And because you have been slowly groomed, 
you feel an obligation that you cannot say no to them because you now have what you think is a relationship and you basically force yourself to trust him even when possibly your gut is screaming at you that there is something wrong here. They may borrow just a small amount of money on purpose to pay it back to lull you into that false sense of trust. They basically repay you to gain that trust. And I think that you had mentioned your daughter needed an operation and he helped pay for that or he paid for that. He said he would. Um, He said he would. Okay. Yeah. He said he would where, you know, I asked for my staking money back and he was like, you know, he was like, we're in this together. Let me take care of her bill and make you money at the same time. So when you research scammers and swindlers, especially um, in a romantic sense, what you'll see a lot of is these people will get you to fall in love with them. And then once you do, it's like something happens. They have like a huge emergency and they need help. Just like in the movie, The Tinder Swindler, when he was in trouble, you know, all these women like wanted to save his life because, you know, it was their partner. With Eugene, it was different where it wasn't like, I'm in trouble, help me. It was more like, hey, like I care about you. Let me help you. Let me make you money because I understand money. So uh, for him, it was like, he's trying to get you to invest, but it's obviously not, none of it's real. (laughs) So So that that's where his scam comes along, where it's not, hey, I'm in trouble. I need your help. It's more like, hey, like, let me help you out. Let me make you money. So he does a bit of the opposite. So yeah, when it came down to paying for the biopsy, it never happened. Um, it was excuse after excuse. And that's something that you'll see with these scammers and con artists is when you do start to ask for your money, it's constant excuses. Mm-hmm. There's They got an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah an answer for everything. And I think they have so much practice with conning people that, you know, you're not going to see their palms sweaty with a lie. It's, it's very second nature to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when it can get kind of scary because then how do you know what like the truth is? Because I've heard stories from other women where mine was a year. There was a girl that I met. Hers was two years. His ex-girlfriend from 2011. It was four years. Yeah. You just have that complete false sense of trust. And yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to believe the excuses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. But then when you start confirming, then they start to, <laughs> I think that's when they start to kind of, they realize that they're about to get caught, mm-hmm. or at least in my situation, because, you know, none of these women did the type of research that I did and, you know, actually went to go find the guy that she had an affair with and find out that He's not who Eugene said he was. He even tried to convince me because when I realized that I was conned, when I look back at the messages, I asked him, I was like, how many victims do you have? And he was like, what? How dare you uh, You know, falsely accuse me? It's not good to falsely accuse people. I've never done, done this to anyone. But he kept repeating it over and over. And I realized that he's trying to get this in my head, that he's never done this, even when conversations had nothing to do with it. So he was really trying to convince me. And I thought, hmm. So I found five other people. Yeah, complete gaslighting. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, yeah. The gaslighting with him is pretty intense. Well, this next red flag you've already actually touched on and you you actually said you didn't know anything about him, but a red flag is that these people give very few details about themselves. You don't see their home, their long-term friends, maybe even their family. When they do talk about themselves, it's a lot about their misfortunes or being done wrong. You feel sympathy and the need to make them feel better. You begin to realize you actually know very little about them and they know so much about you. 
Yeah. All I know is he is really married. He does have two, not just two kids, but three kids, but he will voice that he either only has one or two. And, you know, it's funny that you say like you never meet their friends. So he has introduced me to his friends, which also kind of adds to the whole facade because, you know, they say with like, with people like this, you'll never meet their friends or family. So he's actually brought a group of his friends to my job. And something I realized about all of them is how young they were. Very, very young. I want to say mid twenties. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I did, I was kind of like, where's your friend group that's, you know, your age almost. And I did actually meet a family member, his brother, and come to find later on when I talked to one of the victims who actually has his teenage daughter who knows his family personally, because they share a daughter together, a conversation with her. I was like, oh, so you've met his stepbrother, Mike. And he goes, he doesn't have a stepbrother, Mike. So that was a lie. And I've met this Mike guy. (laughs) So I think he tries to create this picture. And I even asked one of the girls that the most recent one from five years ago, I was like, have you met his stepbrother, Mike? And she was like, oh yeah, I've met him. I was like, that's not really his brother. And she's like, what? (laughs) Wow. It's kind of like the Tinder swindler. He hires all these guards. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. To make it seem like he was somebody that needed guards. (laughs) Come to find they're all actors. Wow. Was you feel like Mike, his brother, was in on it? I mean, possibly because unless he's conning them too in some way, I don't know. I mean, this girl from five years ago was introduced to Mike as his stepbrother too, and that was five years ago. So I do think it's very strange. Even when it comes to his family back um, in the Midwest, he says that he hasn't talked to his family since I want to say, I think he said 2008 or some, I, I forget. It's been a long time. And when I asked him why he was like, well, they tried to sue me for $350,000. And I was like, why would they sue you? And they were like, well, I was starting to make a lot of money and they were looking to cash in. So I got the, you know, my mom was trying to sue me for emotional distress and all these things. And I didn't want to deal with them. So I just paid them out. And I remember him telling me that story actually on our first date. And when I talked to the other baby mama, she was saying, what? They sued him for $350,000? And she's like, for what? And when I told her, she's like, no, that's a lie. She's like, his family, his parents are really good people. Red flag right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And back to the 20-year-olds that were his friends, what do you think Mm -hmm. the reason is his friends were so young? And how long did he know them? How long had he, he been friends with them? He had one friend that he's been with for a really, really long time. We've actually stayed at her place a few times. And I want to say they've probably been friends for maybe like a decade. And then the other group that I met that he brought to my job is probably, I don't know, maybe like a few years. They seemed a little bit newer, but he might keep them around because, you know, they're young though. I feel like they'll believe anything a little bit more naive. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. I think- When you're in your 20s, you're much more gullible and haven't experienced as many things and haven't been scammed necessarily. And so there are better marks, I think, for friendship. And that's a huge red flag. Someone that either has friends that haven't been their friends for very long and they seem like, oh, we're just such great friends or they're very young like that. Those Mm -hmm. people are more impressionable and there's less danger of them being exposed because these people are young and naive and know him to be someone to have a great time with. Right, right, exactly. And 
they were all nice, but I knew just by conversation alone, it's, I'm definitely not at that stage, you know, (laughs) the maturity level just, it was very different, but he considered them really, really good friends. And you said he's 40, right? He's my age. So he's 39. He's turning 40 this year. Mm -hmm. Considerably older than you would not expect someone that old to have a big friendship group of people in their 20s necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I have young friends, but they're not my entire friend group. Mm Mm-hmm. And do you consider that a red flag? (laughs) Absolutely. That's a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing that I really want to point out is that we're going through this list of red flags and not all of them apply. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's important when we were in a relationship maybe or thinking about starting one and we have a list of red flags and we let ourselves off the hook because Mm -hmm. the person doesn't meet all of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think even if there's one or two, it's important to take a step back. You don't have to have all of them in order to be a a toxic relationship. So at first I was kind of bummed that it didn't, (laughs) the one I said, you didn't agree with. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Um, But but then I was like, no, I mean, he is so good. Yeah. He's very good. And I think he's had time to refine it. I'm sure he's going to with my experience with me, he's going to be more careful with the next one. Like they'll just try to be smarter about Mm -hmm. scamming the next one and not make what they see as mistakes again. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just going to hide it better. Right. So I I mean, I think me speaking up on these podcasts won't change his behavior. I want to believe people can change. I, I, I don't know if he's just too far gone because it's like, I started to see the lack of remorse of because I thought about, I was like, what if his wife doesn't know any of this and all the trash that he talked about her? It makes me sad because he has zero respect for this woman that's taking care of his. So we had a technical difficulty from California to Texas, and we're not able to hear the end of what Victoria was answering. As we were saying that not every single red flag is apparent with these scammers, swindlers. One of those that did not seem to be apparent with you and Eugene's situation is that they begin to isolate you from family and friends. And that does seem to be a big feature for this type of person, as well as narcissists. So you had said that he really didn't isolate you. No, not at all. Like, you know, when I'd go out with friends, it was He'd say like, okay, have fun, you know, enjoy yourself. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, he's not an insecure man. And I did the same with him. He'd go out and we'd talk about our evening and that was it. I didn't get any sense of jealousy like I have with narcissistic men that I've come across. I didn't experience any type of big ego with him. Because again, I just think with these con artists, there's one goal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, they're not looking for a partner to abuse. They want you to see a picture of your perfect man so that you trust them. So I think they're going to try to appear that way. And that's what he did. Um, And I do, I do feel he's a narcissist and I guarantee that either with his wife or whoever his primary supply person is, he isolates that person. Yeah, that, that I can see, especially after the testimony that one of the girls gave me, It's, it's 12 pages long. And you could check off every narcissistic trait in her mm-hmm. testimony. I mean, mm-hmm. it's definitely all there, mm-hmm. which, like I said, which shocked me because I feel like I had experienced the opposite. So at one point, she was definitely the supply. And that, again, can lull you into a false sense of trusting like, oh, he's not isolating me. Therefore, he's not a narcissist. Yeah. Therefore, he's not right. 
So right, again, right, exactly. you know, you don't want to take yeah. each one of these red flags by itself. You want to look at the landscape of the red mm-hmm. flags. And right. if there's more than probably, I would say one or two of these, goodness gracious, I think that's, that should be something you pay attention to because any one of these by themselves is pretty strong. However, once you start compounding them, I think you can really start trusting your gut on this, listening to your gut that he may not isolate me and he may not be doing, you know, some of these other things. That doesn't mean he's not right. possibly a narcissist, which most of these are narcissistic traits or a scamming person. Yeah. And yeah. Eugene, Eugene had no reason to isolate you. It played to mm-hmm. his advantage to allow you to keep your freedom. Because you live close. If you lived in the same city, Mm -hmm. I think it would have been a different story. Possibly. Yeah, could have been. And who knows what could have happened like over time. Again, I think there was just one goal. He has his main supply and all these other women that he dates. The goal is to support him financially. Mm -hmm. You know, one girl that I did reach out to, she does live in his city. So I started dating him in 2021. And when I told her what happened to me, she's like, I've been dating him since 2020. And she said, but so she saw, she was like, but I just, I I knew that he was like full of lies. So I never took him seriously. And they were just keeping things casual. But she said what she did notice with Eugene was he kept pushing for a committed relationship. He kept pushing and pushing. So when me and him were finally in a committed relationship, that's when he started talking about money with me directly because a committed relationship is more trusting Mm -hmm. or it should be if it's, you know, a secure one. Mm -hmm. And I think what's also a little scary with him is, you know, we talk about these red flags with men, but he puts on an act where he's none of those things. So you wouldn't even question him, Mm -hmm. at least with me. Mm -hmm. Another red flag is they do not reciprocate the loving feelings that one would expect in a healthy relationship. It feels one-sided, like you're doing all of the work. Did you have any of those feelings? Yeah, it was definitely after the money was given. Come Valentine's Day, I'm very thoughtful. I, I do things for my family, for my kids. And since he was my boyfriend, I did something nice for him. I got no card. I got a call on Valentine's Day. And, you know, when I told him that it bothered me, he was just like, I haven't celebrated in a really long time. Like I, my parents never celebrated any holiday. I don't know how to celebrate, you know, so he was just asking me to be patient with him. And I thought that's what it was. Like he just didn't know how to be giving in that way. But now I know he's just cheap. (laughs) He's just trying to keep all the, all the money to himself. It's like, you couldn't even mail me a card, you know, and I just figured he just like didn't know how to do that. But I bet you he probably would if I didn't give him the money then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it was kind of the same for when it came around to my birthday. There was just one goal in mind and that was it. And then he tries to just keep you entertained so you don't go after him. But, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I think things would be very different if I didn't instruct him to donate that money. Mm -hmm. you know, with the poker being involved, but because I have it in writing that he said it was donated because I don't actually know what happened to my money. Because when I go to the police, they're like, oh, well, you know, he probably just lost it in poker. I'm like, I don't actually know. Apparently he had a huge win in January, 2022. Is that my money? I don't know. Or at least I'm sorry. The detective said that he had a huge win in the beginning of last year. I just don't know what month, but I gave him the money in December of 2021. So if he did have a big winning, half of that is mine. 
there's no investment to start with because the whole goal was to take it. And it's just, it's really unfortunate that there's no laws behind any of this. It happens so much, even the FBI talk about the billions that are stolen from scams. But a majority of scams are with people that are unknown, you know, or in other countries. But I think they need to change the laws or make some sort of rules, codes, whatever. If you do know who this person is, they need to look into it because it's not fair. Other than this being wrong, it's like this is income to them. And then I'm still paying my tax dollars. Right. You know, there's that side to it. So if this country is going to be worried about just tax, then why don't they look at these swindlers that are known? That's right. They're swindling our country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another red flag of scammers, con artists, and or swindlers is that you begin to feel a lack of power and control in the relationship. He makes all of the decisions regarding your money, your time, your decisions. Would you? Mm, not you... so much. Not so much my time and my money. I kind of made the call. But when it did come down to talking about the money, it was excuse after excuse. I asked for the money back to pay for my daughter's thing. He said he would take care of that. When I falsely accused him of cheating, I demanded my money back. He said he blew it at the table. But I thought that was that's just another excuse to not give my money back. And then, you know, he agreed to donate it. But then after that, when I asked for receipts, it was excuse after excuse where, oh, my email broke. Oh, my Google Authenticate won't work. Oh, my phone broke. Okay, well, I'm offering him solutions to try to get me those receipts. Call the organizations. It was never happening. And that's when I was like, okay, that's when I started going hard at him. And I wasn't being gentle me anymore where I'm like, where's that money? That money was supposed to go to a lot of people that needed help at that time because people were dying. Yeah. And then he started to ignore answering my questions about the donations and just how it was trying to get me to focus on the fact that he would pay me after taxes. Well, it's after taxes and you no longer live where you live so I can have you served. In the interest of time, I just want to mention these last four red flags that are maybe common with scammers, con artists, and swindlers. The first is that they zero in on the fact that you like to help and nurture. They exploit this quality by needing you to help them, especially with your bank account. You notice that their stories don't add up and you catch them in lies and see that they are trying to cover up their lies. They gaslight you and make you feel that you have it all wrong. They feel completely entitled to cheat others. They have a superiority complex. They don't seem to have a conscience about defrauding others. And finally, your emotional state with this person begins to deteriorate. You feel emotionally unstable, stressed out, anxious, worried, because this person is in your life. You may even not recognize yourself anymore. All of those points I can definitely relate to. The last part, I I felt like... I mean, I got really depressed. You know, I went and got help. I was prescribed uh, medication. You know, and being a nurse, I know a lot of these anti-psych meds can, you have to taper off of them because what it can do to your brain chemistry, it's not something that you can stop if you decide like, oh, I, I don't want to take it anymore. You have to taper off of it. So, and the side effects on these meds can be very strong. So I made the personal choice. I, you know, I went and got help. But still, it was the talk therapy. It was it was using my voice to really talk about how I felt is what got me up. But and I'm not. I don't. I don't want to say people in that position shouldn't take the meds because I have met countless people where it really cleared the clouds for them. But I think just really research it 
And then to your, yeah, to the last point that you made, um, yeah, it, it put me in like a really, in a really, really bad place. And this is what the energy that they can, they can do to you. You know, you don't, when you say like, you don't even recognize yourself anymore. I didn't know who I was and, and um, I, I didn't want to be in my own breath and body anymore. And I thought, why am I even thinking like this? You know, like I, I was calling in sick from work. I didn't care about anything. And I thought, okay, this is why people that are in the state of mind and start to feel suicidal, start to give things away because it doesn't matter anymore. And when I did start to voice it, the first thing people would say was, was, you know, Victoria, don't forget you have kids, they need you. And I thought, yeah, they do. But even then, the pain was just so overpowering that it didn't even matter. And it wasn't even, I was, I wasn't, I don't want to say like I was giving him my power. It was this position that I just felt and the pain and the threshold was so like unbearable. Yeah. So I just felt like somebody else. And I probably would have done something to myself if I didn't speak up. So these scammers and con artists, if you do do additional research, you'll see the rate of suicide of their victims. Like it, it's it's pretty high. And the FBI do talk about it, especially wow. among um, elderly. The elderly are very vulnerable because their generation is is known to be very giving and, you know, it's easier to fool them. Yeah. And trusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I think it can happen to anybody, but I do think they have specific targets, you know, and when you do look it up, it is what we discussed, like your widows, your new divorcees, someone that I think is just, you know, they, they, they see an emotional need and they feed on that. And, and like you said, like people that are nurturers, I am a nurturer. I mean, most nurses are, you know, and I want to say a majority of women are uh, not that we're all wired that way, but like, you know, I want to say that we, we are more giving than men. So Victoria, is there anything else that you want to share that we didn't already ask you about? Um, no, I think this is a very thorough, thorough call. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Enough for two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's been have awesome. you met Lisa and I yet? <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. we like to look at every angle and yeah, turn every been... stone over and want everyone to learn it all. You know, yes. one thing I do want to say is trust your gut. I think that that is a drum that we've been banging on for a long time. Trust your gut. And it's okay if you have been lulled into feeling trusting with a person and your gut is screaming otherwise, you know, would you agree with that, Victoria? Yeah, you know, and, and again, for me, it's, I think it's a bit of a, it's a process, you know, I feel like we can have so many people telling us, you know, trust your gut. And I think it takes time to understand yeah, what that even means. And I think when we do put ourselves out there and start dating and we see red flags, can we trust it? Or are we going to go with our feelings? Yeah. You know, are we going to listen to everybody else? Or are we going to go with that? We like this person so much and let's see where it goes. And we hold on to, you know, mm -hmm. a hope. And, and that's something that I've gone through in therapy after my divorce, where that was the question. My therapist at the time asked me, she was like, you saw from the beginning, why did you stay? And I didn't know. <laughs> like, actually, I don't know why I stayed. And I think, you know, as humans, we don't know why we do what we do most of the time. So I think these conversations are good because it is very relatable, especially to women. I think all of us at some point have ignored our, our gut. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing that Lisa and I talk about is these first four things that we think is so important 
is getting in touch with your heart magnet. What feels comfortable to you? What doesn't feel comfortable to you? Getting really in touch with that. And Victoria's coach calls it a push or pull. Learning your values, really writing those down and journaling what your values are. God, my family, that sort of thing. And learning your personality type, how trusting it is my personality type and learning the particulars of that. And from those three things that I just mentioned, then we can build our boundaries and also our priorities. Once you've established that, you can use that in therapy or with a coach or with friends. You can have a little bit more of an armor when these people come into your life and you are in touch, you're deeper in touch, and you're not just easy pickings for these types of people that are really looking for that end game, which is to line their pockets. And it could also be the adrenaline rush and just feeling like, look how good I am. You know, mm -hmm. it fulfills something probably even deeper than financial for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that you guys doing a segment on this specifically is um, great because like I said, like, I think it's women have to get in a really, really vulnerable spot to admit that this actually happened to them because it is a bit embarrassing. You know, like I said, like, you know, I experienced the victim blame and all of that. And it's, and people don't really understand until you've literally been in their shoes. So, um, you know, so when people victim blame me, I don't take it personal. It's just, they've never experienced it. So they don't know. And I, and I think we talked about that on the first episode where, yeah, it was this podcast where I talked about, um, that show snapped <laughs> yes. and now I understand how those women feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you from know. that, you learn to show yourself grace and show those other people grace, even though you haven't walked in their shoes or been in this experience. We all can then, once we've gone through it or listened with an open heart and mind, then we can show grace and have grace for right. everyone. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, even with like my ex-husband, you know, it wasn't a good situation, but when more of the truth started to come out with his own childhood, it was a little bit more compassionate where I, I just felt sorry for him because these men they have their stories too we all do like I just think you know we're not just born messed up there's things that happened and I think for men it's a little bit harder because women you know I think there's more strength where we can come to each other like this mm -hmm. but but men don't always have that however yeah. it, it's something in the growth that we can learn we don't have to fix those men and it's not right. our place to do that. Right. And that's, that's that discernment that comes with the healing and the learning for things I mentioned. I can feel compassion for these guys. I can feel compassion for them, but it's not my place to try to fix them. And it's not my place to have them in my life because they're not healthy for me. Right. And, you know, and I, I think about it and I remember my, the same therapist with my marriage at the time, she noticed, you know, cause I wasn't aware of myself at the time. And, you know, so there was a lot of growth that came out of this, but I, I didn't know what codependence meant, mm -hmm. you know, until we started talking about it. And then she said, you know, you have a savior mentality. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, I was like, I just want to make sure like, if I divorce him, he has like food to eat, you know, <laughs> so that's where she caught a lot of it, you know, and I, I didn't know. And a lot of it does, you know, I know we touched on my childhood already, but a lot of that did come from my mom because I did see that with her and my dad where she felt like she really had to take care of him where my dad was almost a child. Mm -hmm. And looking back at my marriage, I, I started to do the same thing with my ex-husband. So the awareness is very, you know, I, I think it was, I started to blame 
my ex-husband less and I started to really like look at myself and I was like, oh, well, you know, I made these choices and this, you know, so I'm very, very thankful for what came out of all of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's very well said. So we would love to do another episode with you about your marriage. The end of season two is this episode and one more. And then next season, we look like we're going to pick up again in June. So we would love to try to look at our calendars and talk to you about your first marriage, because it sounds like exactly what I think this audience is here to learn from. And it sounds like you have gone through great therapy and self-enlightenment from it. And I think people can learn a lot from it if you're open to that. Oh yeah. I'd love to. That's super. I mean, it's, I think it's a really good story actually. And I think it will help a lot of women because I work in aesthetics. So I see a lot of women and Mm. we start talking about relationships. And when I start talking about, you know, my marriage, I I find that they start to open. That's how I find that this is so common because when I start opening up about my marriage, they're like, oh my God, I went through something similar or my husband was abusive too. He almost killed me. And I want to say 90 to close to 100% of the women that I meet have been in that situation. I thought, wow, this is really common. People are just really good at hiding it. (laughs) You know, like how I hid it for 12 years, you know? So I I think think it's good to have this type of support. Mm -hmm. I think you guys are doing an amazing thing. And I thank you for letting me share my story. Well, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And yeah, we're shining a light. We're all of us are shining a light and light is the best disinfectant, you know? Right, right. It's like the me too thing, but on a different scale. I'm just so glad people are wanting to share their stories. You know, maybe the younger generation won't have as much trouble. Yeah, Yeah, we got to nip it early. And I try to teach my girls being so young. You know, not that my mom knew, you know, I think she was taught different. And so she tried to carry that over. And, you know, me being the first to divorce in the family brought a lot of, you know, I was, I was attacked for it, you know, Mm -hmm. coming from, from a Filipino household where they really try to protect their image, Mm -hmm. but it's honestly like the biggest blessing. And even when it came to being like a Christian and divorcing, I I was shamed in the church too. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a struggle. And, but I knew it was the right decision. It's just, but did I, God, am I making the right decision? You don't like divorce, right? So those questions ran through my head. And when I talked to my pastor at the time about it, because I was I was getting so many comments from people at church about me choosing to divorce, it was just breaking me down. And, you know, I was like, am I making the wrong decision? Does God not want me to do this? And, you know, he said, you know, that's between you and him and keep it at that. Mm-hmm. And until this day, like I'm convicted with my decision, because why would he, you know, God loves us. So why would he want you to stay and get abused? Exactly. You know, so I think some churches kind of skew it and women take it as, okay, I have to stay because God wants me to stay. Yeah. You know, every situation is a bit different, but I, looking back, you know, I think you'll like my story with my ex-husband because that's when I had hired a private investigator and did all those things. And the woman that I found that was involved, me and her are friends till this day. You know, my connection with her is very, very special, but the story is, is interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for talking with us today. And it's our hope that the wisdom and insight you gained and shared from this experience with Eugene will help others avoid forming a relationship with deceptive, exploited people, and also help those who are currently maybe in a similar situation see these signs and find an exit plan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. We look forward to talking to you again in June.
Likewise. Thank you. Well, thank you all for joining us again. And we look forward to next time on Here's Here's Your Red Red Flag. Flag. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. I flew up to the mirror. Here's Your Red Flag was written, directed, and recorded by Tony and Lisa and edited by Tony. Our theme song is Butterfly Woke by Jairus. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you would give us a five-star rating. Thanks, y'all. Butterfly Woke, can I die?